Welcome back, my beautiful people, to another episode of Talk It Out with Tierra Monique. I am Tierra Monique, and it is time to talk it up. I hope you all are doing well. Um, it is April the 12th, Tuesday, April the 12th. No, sorry, Tuesday, April 13th, 2021. As you can see, I am playing in the background Marvin Gaye, What's Going On. So many things have happened over the weekend, and we're going to get into all of that in a moment. Well, welcome to another episode of Talk It Up with Tierra Monique. Um, I'm talking kind of low today because um, I'm just kind of sad today. I'm sad. I was in a really good mood all day. And the topic that I was going to talk about, um, I decided to change my mind because I can't say that um, I'm a follower of Jesus, but not but neglect what's going on in the world around me. So before I get into today's episode, which is episode fifty-five. And as you can see, it's going to be a doozy. Um, it's it, it's uh, don't shoot, I'm just black. Yep, we're going to get real deep today, y'all. Before we do that, let's go ahead and pray. God, we need your help. Black people are dying for being black. And white people are afraid of the imaginations of us in their heads. Help us not to become so full of hate but become full of passion to seek out justice and to seek out reform in our police reform in our justice system reform in our government and to show the world that we are more than what they see on TV We are more than what they see in the news. We are not some character, some stereotype. But black and brown people are humans. They are mothers, they are fathers, they are sisters, they are brothers, they are daughters, they are sons. They are police officers, they are firefighters, they are bankers, they are um, telemarketers, they are cooks, they are... Um, successful, beautiful people. We are not to be feared, but we are to be looked at as humans. So God, help us to look at each other as human beings. Let us not be ignorant of each other's differences, whether it be the color of our skin or what we choose to do and not do in our personal lives. But let it be something that we embrace. May we embrace our differences, respect one another, and love each other the way we want to be loved and respected. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen, y'all. So, um... So, um, I don't have, or I did have, I 
did have a black legacy moment, but it was geared towards the um, other topic that I was going to talk about today. So um, I'm going to skip that today. Um, today I'm going to go straight into my story time because it has everything to do with what I'm talking about today. And, um, so the episode today, as you can see, is called, um, don't shoot. I'm just black. And, um, it has everything to do with the police. It has everything to do with people that we live amongst our neighbors, um, who still view a black person as a threat. Even when we are unarmed, they have the gun. <laughs> they have the taser, they have the gun, they have the baton, they have the handcuffs, and all we have is ourselves. So today, my story um, is titled, my story time is titled, Diff, Driving in Fear. So I know you've heard driving while black, but now I'm just driving in fear. Every time I see a police officer riding beside me, behind me, um, at a stoplight, I'm, I may not even be, I may be on the other side of the intersection, I get afraid. Not because I did anything wrong, not because I, I you know, I have, um, something to be afraid of as far as like, you know, I have, you know, I have something that would cause them to pull me over. But just because of all that has been going on in this world, I'm afraid. I am afraid. We were taught as kids growing up that the police are our friends the the police are friends and they brung the police officers into our school doing the dare program which was the the you know the the don't do drugs program and we were told oh you know the police are our friends but the police aren't our friends anymore and i'm not saying all of them are bad or racist but it's like it's too much. It's like I mean it's just too much. And I can't even imagine how it was. I mean I've seen it on TV. I've seen the the news the newspaper cleaning clippings, the articles, the movies, the documentaries. I've seen all of that from the civil rights movement. I can't even imagine living in that time where it was every day, every moment, it was constant, constant hate, constant violent attacks because you were different. And um, I know D.L. Hughley said it best that the worst place to be is in the imagination of a white person's mind. Because when you live in the imagination of someone and their imagination is, is constantly negative, when you come in contact with them or when they come in contact with you, 
it's never going to be from a perspective of this is a human being. It's going to be from a perspective of, oh, you're going to hurt me. Oh, you're a big black man or you're a black woman or you're wearing a hoodie or your hair is big and poofy and natural. It's not straight like mine. It's like, why would you want to live in a world where everybody looked like you? Like how, wouldn't that be boring? But I think I'm getting off track with my story time, but it's just, it's just crazy. And I've had encounters with the police and I've never had a negative encounter, I would say, um, by myself. I have been in groups before where it was me and a group of people, most of us all black, where the police would stare at us. Like we were, we were walking on the strip at the beach. It would be a thing, you know, where we were looked at or followed or whatever the case may be. But... To drive around the city with your children in the car and you become afraid. It's like, like today, I was driving and there was an a unmarked police, police officer driving behind me. Which, even though they're unmarked, you can still tell an unmarked police car. I mean, the lights are still visible in the, in the windshield and... Um, they had the, the the government um, license plates. It was a whole thing. They were driving a black charger, so I knew it was them. Um, and they have the thing on the front of their, the car, the little push metal thing, whatever it is. And then there was a actually marked police car right next to me. You know, the new ones in the four explorers. So I wasn't doing anything wrong. I was driving the speed limit, but I got so <laughs> nervous. I got so nervous. You would have thought I was driving around with drugs or guns. or <laughs> I started becoming so nervous that I was like, dang, you would, I mean, like, Tierra, what's up with you? And I'm supposed to be without fear. I'm supposed to be a follower of Christ. I'm supposed to not have fear in me, but believe and trust God that God's going to take care of me. But I'm going to be honest, sometimes that is not the first thing that comes to my mind. Yes, I may say, oh my gosh, Jesus help me, or Jesus protect me, but I feel like sometimes I say that out of just, a re, uh, it's like, it comes second nature to me to say it, you know, whenever I'm faced with some kind of um, adversity or fear, I'll say it right away, but it doesn't resonate in my heart and in my mind, it is like they, they don't link up for some reason, but I was afraid. And, um, my son was in the car with me. Both of my sons were in the car with me. My oldest, my teenage son and my youngest was in the car with me. And I got so nervous and I was just minding my business. And, um, the speed limit had dropped from 35 to 25. So I didn't want to put my brakes on real hard, even though, I mean, what are you going to do? So I just took my, my foot off the gas and let the car slow down. The other police officer that was right next to me, he went past me. And the other one was that was behind me was still behind me. And so usually when I get nervous like that, I'll go ahead and put my signal on and I'll turn. But I know sometimes, you know, that can, you know, I don't know. I wouldn't say spark, but basically, um, I don't know. I just don't know. Sometimes if you do that. It may draw attention to yourself. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. 
So I did, but I didn't turn before I was supposed to turn. I just went where I was supposed to go. And I just put my signal on way in advance, like way, way in advance. <laughs> and I slowed down, put my brakes on, slowed down, made my right turn, and went about my business. And as soon as I turned, the whole time I was looking in my rearview mirror to make sure that the cop didn't follow me. Because if the cop followed me, I was like, okay, I'm going to get pulled over. Because I wasn't turning into a shopping center. I was turning into a residential community. I was turning into a residential community. Um, so that would be a coincidence, right? If this cop was going to the same place as me. So once the cop did not follow me and went on by his business or hit him or a sigh of relief, I'm just like, oh my gosh, thank you, Jesus. But even so, I didn't do anything wrong. I, I My car is legit. I just was like... I just didn't want to get pulled over. I did I didn't want to get pulled over. And that fear is something that I don't want to deal with. I don't want to go through the rest of my life afraid of the police. I just don't. I don't want to go the rest of my life afraid from my children, especially my sons, afraid for them. My son is about to start driving. And that scares the mess out of me. And it shouldn't, but it does. It does. And I know the Bible says, cast all your cares upon God because he cares for you. You know, his His burden is light. His yoke is easy. He can take it. And I do. And I say, God, you know, take this from me. Take this fear from me. You know, I pray for my children every day, all day. I have them pray over themselves. But it's still a fear. It's still a fear. So, that's my story time. I don't have a message with it. I just pray for me. As I will pray for you. A church cliche, but seriously. Because we're living in a time where it's like, oh my goodness. I'm going to get into more of that when we come back from the break. Okay, welcome back um, to episode 55. Um, As you can see, the title is Don't Shoot, I'm Just Black. Um, We have been living in a time where driving while black has been, um, has warranted a death sentence if you get stopped by the police. And not all police, but what we've seen um, is, is been a little fearful. So if you haven't seen in the news over the weekend, um, a 20-year-old black male was shot during a traffic stop. His name was Dante Wright. And I'm going to read you a piece of the information before I give you my take on what happened. Um, this is from USA Today, the Associated Press with USA Today. It says the police officer who fatally shot a 20 year old black man during a traffic stop may have intended to fire a taser, the city's police chief said Monday. 
The department released dramatic body cam footage of the incident, which has rocked the Minneapolis suburb miles from where George Floyd was killed during a police arrest last May. Dante Wright was shot once and died after the traffic stop Sunday, Brooklyn Center Police Chief Tim Gannon said. The body camera footage released during a news conference shows two other officers approaching Wright's car and the officer who fired the shot standing behind him. As the officer on the driver's side of the vehicle began to handcuff Wright, he broke free. A struggle ensued and Wright jumped back into the driver's seat. An officer threatened to tase him, shouting, Taser! at least three times before shooting Wright, then saying, Oh, bleep, I just shot him. So, um, the article goes on to say that they pulled him over initially because he had expired registration. Once they got his, his driver's license and information, they went back to the car, ran his information, came back that he had a warrant for his arrest. Um, I don't believe it's mentioned what his warrant was, what the arrest, the warrant was for. Um, but, um, some other articles and commentators that I've heard about the incident said that it was a misdemeanor, uh, warrant that he had. He had to pay on something monthly and the payments had stopped. So there was a warrant for his arrest because he didn't complete um, he did not continue to pay his, the fines or whatever. So because he didn't pay the fines, there was a warrant for his arrest. Um, I did watch the video because I did not want to continue the narrative <clears throat> that he was pulled over and they just shot him. I did not want that to be in my head. Um, I wanted to see what was actually going on because I did not want to, um, be ignorant and just shout, you know, F the police, which I wouldn't say, <laughs> but you know, forget the police or blah, blah, without knowing exactly what happened. Cause I think it's very important for us in the black community to know exactly what happened, even though it does not warrant his death, no matter what, it does not warrant his death. He did not deserve to die but I did want to know all the facts because you need to lead with the facts, okay? Don't lead with your opinion. Lead with the facts, okay? Because we got we have to be honest with ourselves in the black community and say, if this was a white man, would you be upset? Because you wouldn't. So not to say you would not be empathetic, but you wouldn't be in such, you know, outraged. And it's... And it's um, and it's just, the outrage is just, um, like the article said, you know, it's, it's miles away, just 10 miles away from the, the trial of the police officer who killed George Floyd. So it's very tense. It's a very, very, very tense time for this to happen and just, you know, reignites all the anger and rage that people currently have because of the constant injustice within the police um police um system so so with that being said i didn't watch it i watched it 
So, like the article said, the USA Today article said that uh, Mr. Wright, he did struggle. He did try to resist arrest. Um, I don't know why. Um, I don't know why he just didn't want to go back to jail. I do not know why. But he did resist. But, again, they shouted, tase him, tase him, to try to get control of the situation. They felt that the next step was to tase him. And a veteran police officer, instead of pulling out her taser, she pulled out her gum, her gun, and she shot him. Now, I've never held a taser and I've never held a gun. But I've seen them both before. And I do not believe that a taser feels like a gun. Or does it? Um, all the ones I've ever seen, the tasers, they have the buttons on the side. And you just press the buttons and that's how you tase. Unless there are tasers that are now in the shape of a handgun, I don't know how she could, as a veteran police officer, mistake the taser, the gun for a taser. I, I, it, doesn't, it doesn't resonate with me, and maybe because I'm not a police officer, and I don't know. But I read, I read, some, I read an article that said that the... Gun is on one side, the the gun is on the dominant side of the body, and the taser is on the other side. So if you know which side your gun is, why would you reach for your gun when you know your taser is on the other side? And that is the problem. That is the problem. Should he should he had resisted arrest? Absolutely not. But should he have died because of it? Absolutely not. Should she had reached for her taser? Yes, which was on the opposite side of her body. According to the article that stated that the police uniform, the belt, has the gun on the dominant side of the body and the taser is on the opposite side. So I'm going to go ahead and assume that the dominant side is the right side and that the taser it's on the opposite side, which is your left. So if you reach to your right, why would you think that was your taser? If you're a veteran police officer, veteran says 20 years, 15 years, not one year, not two years, not, oh, she used to be on desk duty and now she's on, you know, patrol. Like, what? <laughs> I don't understand that. And now, He's dead. Now, he's no longer a father to his child. Now, his mother and his family and his siblings mourn him. Now, a whole city is reignited with rage, outrage. I do not think, I do not think, and you may not agree with me, I do not think that this woman maliciously intended to kill him because he was black. I don't think that. I do think that that was an error that should have never happened. And I think that it happened because she was in fear of the imaginations 
in her head of black men. And that's just that to me, that is the truth. Now, I can't speak for her, but over the last years or so, we have seen white women and white men react so aggressively towards black men and black women because they are black men and black women. But react to white women and white men like they are friends from back in the day. They all went to school together. Like they're just family members. Like, hey, we're going to arrest you and take you to Burger King after you kill people in a church. Like, where where they do that at? We're going to say that somebody had a was just having a bad day after they went in and shot up people in a grocery store. And just nicely arrest them and take them in for questioning. But when it comes to black men and black women, we don't get the opportunity to be questioned. As much as our vanilla brothers and sisters. And I have nothing against white people. I don't. I have a problem and an issue with white people who are blatantly racist. Who are constantly creating these negative imaginations in their minds to justify their actions which are actions out of fear why do you fear us so much why it does not make any sense your ancestors brought our ancestors to the United States of America as slaves free labor to build this country, to take care of your children who were then raped by the masters, who had illegitimate children by the masters, constantly attacked, constantly abused after you brung us here. And since so many, 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 many years ago, we are constantly being looked at, being judged, being attacked because you don't like the way we look. But you brought us here. If you didn't want us here, you shouldn't have brought us here. But now we're here and we're living amongst each other. And we are in America. And America is not just white. America is black. America is Asian. America is Hispanic. America is Jewish. America is Muslim. America is Ethiopian. America is Nigerian. America is a melting pot of different ethnic backgrounds. And we are to live in this country peaceably. And and to be kind to one another as human beings. No one owns the United States of America. But constantly we see a group of white people 
who walk around, who live and breathe in this country as if they own it. Knowing that they came from, they are immigrants themselves. You always, you would hear these things say, oh, go back to Africa. How about you go back to London? <laughs> go back to Europe. The only people who were here before any of us were Native Americans. They were here. Native Americans was here on this continent, on where we are now. Native Americans. And y'all came and y'all took land away from people because you always act as if you are entitled. You are not entitled. We are all here together. And we're not going to have a peaceful life together if we are always at each other's throats. If, if, if you, a group of you, are always thinking that we are out to take things away from you. No, we want to have lives, successful lives too. We want to raise our children, you know, have our businesses, go to church, go have picnics, go do all these different things. We want to live our lives and mind our business, but y'all won't let us. <sighs> so that's that. That's that with, with Dante Wright. My heart, my mind, my prayers go out to his family, go out to the community in Minneapolis, goes out to all those who are constantly affected by racism, by being judged because of what you look like. My heart goes out to them. It does. Um, the next, the next thing that's got me sad and kind of like outraged in a way is a tra another traffic stop that happened December 5th of 2020. And I am going to read you a piece of that article. Okay, I found my article here. It is from abcnews.go.com. All right. Two Virginia police officers have been sued for allegedly drawing their guns on a uniformed army officer during a traffic stop and spraying him with a substance. One of them has since been terminated. On December 5th, 2020, Windsor police officers Joe Gutierrez and Daniel Crocker pulled over U.S. Army 2nd Lieutenant Karan Nazario. Or Karan, or I don't think it's Karen. It's C-A-R-O-N. I think that's Karan. Karan Nazario, who is black and Latino, while he was dressed in uniform according to a lawsuit now filed as of April the 2nd. They pulled him over in a newly purchased Chevrolet Tahoe SUV for not having a rear license plate, according to the lawsuit. Nazario was returning home from his duty station at that time. The suit filed in the U.S. District Court for Eastern Virginia in Norfolk claims the officers violated Nazario's constitutional rights and seeks compensatory and punitive damages. So I watched this video too. <laughs> I watched this video and it was downright disrespect 
downright aggressive, downright unnecessary um, verbiage from the police officer to the lieutenant. One of the police officers says that the driver was eluding police. So they turned their lights on and he was eluding a police. And they they said because he was eluding police, in quotation marks, that he was considered to be a high-risk traffic stop. But Nazario wasn't eluding police. He was trying to stop in a well-lit area for his safety and for the officer's safety. Really? Now, in hindsight, now the officer who has been fired, Gutierrez, he acknowledged that Nazario's decision to drive to a lit area occurs a lot, 80% of the time, and that the maneuver informed him that Nazario was at least 80% probability a minority. Oh, so because he didn't pull over right away, you knew that he wasn't white. That's one. Then when you noticed that he was driving a little bit and then he and that he decided to drive into a gas station that was well lit so that he could be seen and so that you can see him and he can see you, then you knew that that's what he was doing. So then why did you still assess and um why did you still assess and why did you still act as if this was a high this was a high risk traffic stop? If you know that 80% of the time, people who are getting pulled over, once they are driving and it's late at night, that they drive a little bit more and pull over into a well-lit area. That's what they were doing to not only protect themselves and to protect you so that y'all can see each other. There won't be any mis miscommunication. Why would you now continue to address the traffic stop as a high-risk traffic stop, right? So they stopped him again because he had not gotten his permanent plates. He had a cardboard temporary plates taped in the inside of his rear window of his vehicle. When officers reached inside his car, the plate was visible in the rear. So they saw it. So here's my thing. Okay, I'm pulling over. Okay, I know that he, this person, must be black. One, because they're not pulling over in the dark. They want to make sure I see them and they see me. Okay, all right. Oh, they don't have no license plates. Oh, but I see that they do have it. Why am I still being aggressive towards him? They were shouting at him. Put your hands out. Put your hands out. They kept giving him contradictory orders. One police officer was telling him to get out of the car. The other police officer was telling him to put his hand out the window. How was he going to get out of the car if you want to see his hands at all times? He's going to have to reach and, and he's going to have to either reach outside of the car to open the car from the door handle or he's going to have to reach inside the car to open it. He was, I mean, in the, in the video, he was visibly afraid. He was afraid for his life. And he kept seeing it over and over again. I'm afraid. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Because they kept telling him to do certain things. 
and he said in the footage i'm honestly afraid to get out of the car that's what he said and do you know what happened after he said that one of the officers says yeah you should be are you serious are you serious so if you notice if you're only stopping him because his license plate is not visible to you when you're driving behind him in the dark. And once you pull up to him, because you thought, because you assumed he was a minority, because he decided to stop in a well-lit area, you probably automatically went from, all right, this is going to be a good one. You just, you just, you heighten your inner, your inner fear. This is another fear. This is another fear-driven reaction to black people. Because he said it. He said because the car was driven into a well-lit area, he knew it was a minority. So what's a minority? Hmm. Not the majority. What's the majority? White. So if it's not a white person, then what is it? Oh, it's got to be a black person, a Hispanic person, a Muslim. I mean, what's the minority? So, first things first, why are you not treating this traffic stop as if it was a white person? Why do you then think this is a high-risk traffic stop just because you know it's a minority? Um, no. Now, of course, you're a police officer. You don't know what you're about to walk up to. You don't know what's about to happen. But still, once you figure it out, why doesn't your demeanor come down some? Why don't you, why don't, why don't you take a break and breathe? Okay, my life is not in danger. This is an army. This is a military man. He's telling me, he's explaining to me. No, they didn't want to hear any of that. Didn't want to hear any explanation. He's trying to tell them what's going on. He is he is visibly afraid. He doesn't know what to do. And when he says, I'm honestly afraid to get out of the car. And you say to him, yeah, you should be. Oh, you already it's like you were looking for it. It's like it was it was your night and and that and that this was your turn. Like like the police officers they all get in together and say, "Okay, this is your night." Like it's a gang initiation. Let's let's kill a black tonight. This is your gang initiation into the into the blue collar family. And now again, I'm not saying this is all police officers. I'm just saying there are quite a few very several of you police officers who are driven by fear and i don't know what y'all are talking to, talking about to each other i don't know what y'all are doing amongst each other while y'all sitting in your cars in the patrol cars while you're out together eating lunch while you're sitting at the desk doing police reports what kind of conversations are you having amongst each other that fuel this fear tactic that you have when it comes to black people. Like, what, what is going on? <sighs> the officer then threatens to arrest him for not listening to their orders to get out of the car and says it was obstruction of justice. Nazario then goes to say, I'm actively serving this country and this is how you're going to treat me. Now, mind you, they sp one of the police officers sprayed pepper spray in his eyes while the other police officer was trying to open the car for him. 
So one police officer is saying, get out the car. The other police officer is saying, keep your hands out. Keep your hands out. Keep your hands out. Keep your hands out. So the other police officer walks up to the car. Nazario still has his hands outside of the window. The other police officer is yelling at him. The other, the police, I think police officer Croker was the one who walked up to him and was trying to open the car door for him. At least he had sense enough to say, to see, okay, he can't obviously open the car because my fellow police officer partner here is yelling at him, telling him to keep his hands where he can see them. So let me go ahead and open the car door for him. And while he's trying to do that, this fool, because that's what he was, he was a fool. This fool of a police officer then sprays pepper spray in his eyes while he was doing what you asked him to do. He was complying. You asked him to put his hands out the window and then you're going to spray pepper spray in his eyes for doing what you told him to do. Does that make any sense? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. After he sprayed with pepper spray, Nazario says, I don't even want to reach for my seatbelt. Can you please? My hands are out. Can you please? Look, this is really messed up. The officers are heard shouting conflicting orders at him, telling him to put his hands out the window while telling him to open the door and get out. At that point, the officer who has now been since terminated, Officer Gutierrez, told Nazario he was fixing to ride the lightning. In quotation. According to the lawsuit, that phrase, fixing to ride the lightning, was a line from the movie The Green Mile, a film about a black man facing execution and referencing the electric chair. Are you serious? Racist. Racist. Is that what y'all are watching? Huh? Doing your breaks? Y'all watching the green mile? Is 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 that what fuels your hate for black people? To watch a movie about racism? To watch a movie that is in the time frame of racism, of slavery, of segregation? <sighs> When he finally gets out the car, the video shows the officers repeatedly telling Nazario to get on the ground. They force him on the ground. The officers struck Nazario with their fists, knees, and hands, forcing him into his face and placed him in handcuffs. The lawsuit claims the officers used his force despite not having any probable cause to believe Nazario had committed a crime. He wasn't charged for the incident at all. At all. And do you know what the, what the police officer said, the one who sprayed him in the eyes? He said he decided not to press any charges because he was a fellow veteran and he knew that the military would do their own investigation and, and, and seek, um, seek out what to do about what happened. 
because he didn't want to he didn't want to mess up his military career. You didn't want to mess up his military career, but you wanted to to disrespect him, to to uh to abuse him with your words, to abuse your power as a police officer and spray pepper spray in his eyes knowing that he didn't do anything wrong and that all you were pulling him over is because his license plate was not visible. But you're going to say you didn't want to charge him for anything because you didn't want him to have a bad record on his military record? Are you serious? And that because you're a fellow vet, which makes it even even more horrific that you are a fellow veteran and you're treating your fellow veteran like a like a like a like a a, a a um a rabbit dog or a rabbit rodent. It's it's horrible. It, it's it's horrible. It's horrible. That says a lot about him. That says a lot about him. That's it's it's it doesn't make any sense. What happened to you? What happened to you to make you become so hateful? And I don't hate this person, just like I said in my prayer. That even in spite of all this, God, help us to not fuel off of hate, but to fuel off a passion to seek justice and to get to get to get police reform because it's, it's, it's time. It's time to start firing these people and get the help that they need because these people need help. These people need help. And these, these, this type of hate is taught. We are not born to hate. It is taught to us. People around us is taught to us. Whether it's taught to us when we're children or it's taught to us when we're adults because we're trying to fit in with other people. Oh, it's so cool to fit in. Let me fit in with my other people. Let me fill up my other police officers. Let me show them that I can hate a black man just like they can. What is that? <sighs> so, that's another thing that's got me. And again, I want to say, I am not against the entire police force i am very very upset appalled at the police officers who continue to use their power and their authority to oppress and to hurt other people of color because they think they can and I heard somebody say this today that they continue to do this because they think they can. And our government and our courts and the juries, our judicial system keeps showing them that they can when they are not held accountable to their actions. They're not put in prison. They don't get to they don't get they keep their jobs. They keep their severance. You got to hit them in their pockets. You got to hit them in their pockets. You got to show them, uh-uh, no way. 
you cannot do this. This is not tolerated and we will not, we will not tolerate this anymore. Anymore. Okay. Okay. All right. Last but not least, the last thing that has got me feeling sad is DMX. DMX. He was he was very essential to the hip hop world. Very essential to the hip hop world. Um he helped people when he started to vocally proclaim his faith um as a follower of Jesus. Um he started to really help people. And I think he really shined the light on those who follow Jesus, but but still shows that I'm a, I'm still a person. I'm still a human. I still struggle with things from day to day. I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together, but I still love God and I'm doing my best to live each day the best I know how for him. And that's what he was to a lot of people. He helped a lot of people. Um, He struggled with addiction for a long time. I found out today while I was um, watching a podcast that unfortunately he was introduced to... um, He was introduced to drugs at a very early age. Um, I think he was 14 years old, I believe, something like that. He was a teenager and someone who he looked up to as his mentor introduced him to marijuana, but it was a laced blunt laced. And these are his own words. He said this to the person who I watched the podcast. I'm not going to say who that person is, but I watched a podcast, the famous person, um, they had a podcast and they were talking about stories about DMX and they were saying that he was introduced to drugs at a very early age and it was marijuana and it was it was a blunt that was laced with cocaine um which started the whole thing and unfortunately he um overdosed um he had a heart attack um He had a heart attack and he was on life support um, and he um, unfortunately he died um, at the age of 50. Um, Man, I mean, I, I didn't listen to all of his music. I am a hip hop fan of, (laughs) of music that is on the radio that I can listen to and then that's it if it's on the radio it's like i i don't think i ever bought a rap cd back then growing up in the 90s we had cds and we had tapes um i don't think i ever bought a rap cd not because i don't want to listen to it just i just never bought a rap cd um but i always listened to it always heard it always sang to it always danced to it I always watched it on BET and MTV and Yo MTV Raps and The Basement with Tigger, all that stuff. I was very immersed in the hip-hop culture 
Um, and DMX had songs that just, <laughs> he had songs that just stuck with you. Um, he, um, once, like I said, you know, once he, um, once he got into, to God, he, he really became, it's, it's just like his purpose kind of surpassed him. He went from inspiring people, making people laugh, making people smile and sing to his, sing his songs and rap his lyrics and, you know, have good, um, good times at a cookout or whatever, at a club, whatever. He went, he went past the music part of it and he started hitting people on a different level with his prayers. Um, Gosh, he was a powerful prayer. Man, he could pray. Man, he could pray. Um, last time I saw him was on verses with Snoop, which was which to me was the best verses to date. It was it was so good. It was so nostalgic. We went back down memory lane with Snoop and DMX, and during the verses, he still honored God. He still gave it up to God. He still prayed to God. And I know there's always been this thing in the Christian community where like, oh, you know, they get up there and they sing on these songs, but then they thank God. And I think that that's how we're supposed to be. We're supposed to still acknowledge God even in all of our mess. No one is perfect. No one is perfect. We all struggle with something. But it would behoove us to instead of looking at each other's flaws, each other's faults, each other's shortcomings, that we should encourage one another and support one another and pray for one another and say, man, I see you. I know you struggle. Let me pray for you. How can I help you? And not look down on people. And that's been, and that was what I was going to talk about today about Christianity and how it's, you don't even want to say that you're a Christian anymore. You just want to say, I'm a, dis I'm a disciple of Christ. Because Christ the Christianity has gotten such a bad rap because of people being so judgmental. But, yes. Um, that has got me in my feelings. Um, addiction is real. Addiction is real. Um, some people believe there's a disease. Some people don't. I believe that anything that you can't stop doing, that you can't live without, that alters your mental state to a point where you feel like you can't be without it, that even if you walk away from it today, when you go back to it, it is, is, is worse than when you first um, experience it. It's an addiction. It is bad, especially if you have a genetic um what is it, a, ge a genetic um, disposition to addiction. If addiction runs in your family and if you're ever addicted to anything, it's going to be hard for you to break free, free from it. And it could be anything. It's not just drugs. It's not just alcohol and cigarettes. You could you could have an addiction in your family to, to, to food. You can have an addiction to uh, financial um, 
instability. Uh, you can have an addiction to gossip in your family. People always drama, just drama, drama, drama all the time. There are people who are addicted to drama. Seriously, like they, they their life is not complete unless they are in drama, stirring up drama, or talking about somebody else's drama. But anyway, addiction to drugs is serious. And the first thing that came to my mind was, who is in his camp? It just took me right back to Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston struggled with addiction to crack cocaine. Crack or cocaine, whichever one she was doing. And I just, like, who is in your camp that's not keeping you away from something that is hurting you? Visibly hurting you. And I, that was, I was like, who is in his camp? Like, how did he still have access to something that he was trying to get away from? Something that he was trying to conquer? Because people who people who um, get addicted to anything, it is a daily process. It's not just, oh, I was an addict six months ago and I'm not now. They say in the addiction community that you are always an addict because it just takes one more it just takes one slip up for you to go back down that pit back down in that black hole black back down in that hole of darkness and it just takes one you could be a shopping addict anything um it just i just felt so bad for him cuz i was like why was nobody around him keeping him from not doing it and and then sometimes people who have who have addictions they they surround themselves with people who aren't going to tell them no not to do it and they keep people away who will tell them no not to do it they keep everyone around him who would say yes and keep everyone who who said no um i don't know if that's the case but that's the first thing that came to my mind was like dang you know where who where was the where was his people? So it just it's just it's just really 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 sad. So with that being said, um, that's the end of today's um, podcast episode. Um, my quote. I have a quote. I have several quotes I wrote down. One was from Martin Luther King. Let no man pull you so low to hate him. Even though all the stuff that's going on with the police killings and the the hate crimes against the Asian community, let no man pull you so low to hate. Because once you start to hate people, that is like a cancer and it just eats away inside of you and it just causes you it causes you not to love anymore. And you get so consumed by your hate. That you end up doing things that you should not do at all. Okay? Martin Luther King also says, Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. So if there's injustice in our communities when it comes to police brutality, when it comes to hate against other people, then there's never going to be justice anywhere else. Okay? And um, I wrote this down as my quote. It might sound a little hard and I don't know, but I said, um, you will always find a corpse at the feet of a coward with a gun. And that's how I feel about that. There will always be a life lost when a coward has a gun. Again, I'm not saying that all police officers are cowards. 
I'm just saying that when you are driven by fear, you will react in a cowardice way and you will kill somebody because of the gun that you have in your hand. Okay, okay, so you may follow me on Instagram at Talk About with Sierra Monique. Um, you may follow me, you may send me a message on Anchor. I'm on Apple, I'm on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Anchor.fm. I'm also on Stitcher Podcast now. Also, you may reach me at everythingtiramonique.com. You may also send me an, um, an email at talkitupwithtiramonique at gmail.com. Um, as we close out, I want to pay tribute to DMX, Earl Simmons. We will never forget you. Your legacy will continue. You're, you're a prayer warrior that will never die. You may not be on this earth anymore, but you are forever in our minds and our hearts. And may we never, ever forget you. Your music lives on. Your life, your legacy, what you taught us lives on. We salute you. And Alexa, Play the DMX prayer. The prayer for by DMX on Amazon Music. Let us pray. Father God, I am just learning how to pray. Bear with me. First, I thank you for the life of everyone that's here with me. Then I thank you for the love you give me. Why? I don't know. I don't deserve it. And it hurts inside. Many a nights I cried and called your name out loud. I didn't call you when I was doing good. Too proud. And still you gave me love. I wasn't used to that. Most of the people that gave me love ended up taking it back. It's something new to me. So I'm asking you for time to adjust. Let me make it there. I will be one you can trust. What I stand for put my life on I do I guess what I'm asking is show me how to stand for you and I will rap for you sing for you preach for you teach for you reach for you I will love you like you love me unconditionally and I will always be prepared for whatever the mission will be give the nutrition to me and I'll properly digest it and when I give it back I'll show you word well invested and whenever I go, before I go, let me give. Thanks to you, Lord, for my birth, for every day that I've lived. You gave me a love most of my life I didn't know was there. In the name of Jesus, I give you my life. Amen. Don't forget to be kind to yourself. Be kind to other people around you. Love yourself, love those around you, support those who are currently going through any kind of addiction, circle around them, rally around them, know that you, you see them, you hear them, and you are there for them. Seek God first in all you do, Matthew 6.33. And until next time, God bless you and smooches. To survive, well, that's to find meaning in the suffering. Hey, I'm slipping, falling, I can't get up. Hey, I'm slipping, falling, I can't get up. Hey, I'm slipping, falling, I got to get up. Baby, back to my.